Hi, I'm Margot. Hey, I'm Abby. Thank you so much for joining us on the Anxiety Warriors podcast. We have anxiety and we believe that our anxious feelings make us stronger people. One of our superpowers is being open, loving, and curious with ourselves. Yeah, we're all just doing the best we can one moment at a time, one breath at a time. And we're so glad you're on this journey of life with us. Here's the show. Welcome back, Warriors, to another episode of Anxiety Warriors Podcast. Woohoo! Yay! We are psyched for today's episode. We have a wonderful interview with a fabulous lady, Mm -hmm. Zina Minkara. And before Abby gets into a little bit of a recap about our convo, let me give you a little bit of insight into who Zina is. Zina Minkara is a first-generation Lebanese-American having grown up in a small town in Florida. Her family was one of the few Muslim and or Middle Easterner families in her town. Zaina works as a tax accountant at a public accounting firm in Orlando, Florida, and is working towards her CPA. She is passionate about helping others navigate tax and financial issues. She's married to her wonderful husband, Garrett, and is a dog mom to her wonderful chihuahuas, Coco and Yoshi. In her limited free time, Zaina enjoys English horseback riding, horses named Hunter and Jumpers, reading and traveling. A lifelong anxiety warrior, Zena has worked on dealing with different life stressors, different jobs and careers, different levels of financial security with the ultimate goal of becoming a better person every day. Oh, yeah. So Abby, let's hear a little bit of a recap about our chat. Yeah. So like I say every week, this is a super fun conversation um, and I totally mean it. Um, Zaina is actually married to my cousin. So Zaina is a cousin of mine. And this is actually like the first time that Zaina and I have really talked about anxiety. And so this was actually pretty new for me. I did not know all of her story, you know, and I, I find that that's something that's just really beautiful is when you can connect with family and talk about the things you don't usually talk about. So Zaina really starts off by sharing how, you know, she is a child of immigrants, you know, she's first generation and how living in America, in some ways she was parenting her parents in teaching them, you know, what, how the world functions, what it's like to be in America, because it's not what they were used to. And while she's doing this, she's living in a small Southern Baptist town in Florida. Um, her parents, you know, she's from, uh, her parents are from Lebanon and they're Muslim and she's living in the small town during 9-11. Um, and so she just shares the story of how she navigates one being Muslim during 9-11 in a small town and what that's like, um, but also the other layers of just being a teen in a high school and how hard it is to manage and navigate things like social anxiety or social awkwardness and how you belong or don't belong with other groups of people and how to make friends. And um, she shares how over time she's learned to reflect and take responsibility for herself to help herself, you know, feel like she belongs more in this world with other people. And she shares a really beautiful story at the end about how it, we don't have to do big, grandiose uh, gestures um, to make friends. We can just do small things. Yes, we are really excited for you all to hear this conversation. Here she is. Welcome back, Warriors. We are joined by a very, very special guest. Zena, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited that you're here with us tonight. And um, we're just going to dive right in. Tell us a little bit about how anxiety shows up in your life, how it showed up, just whatever. Let's hear it. Yeah. I mean, anxiety is probably a lifelong issue for me, but I think it really started mostly in high school. Um, where I really started to notice it. Um, You know, you really see, you know, your friends are getting boyfriends and, you know, they're going off doing this stuff and there's new cliques and there's new this and you're trying to figure out like, which group am I part of? Where do I go? Like, that was kind of hard for me to figure out. And like my best friend, Christine, you know, if you looked at us in high school, you'd be like, you two are friends. Like you would never know we were friends. Like we didn't have like a whole you know, we didn't have a click and we didn't have a thing. And I was friends with a lot of people. And, 
Um, but, you know, I was, was always super self-conscious, always like, oh, you know, am I girly enough? Is my hair ugly? You know, because I was a horrible dresser. I had horrible fashion sense. I did not wear makeup. I was very tomboyish. It was, it was not pretty. Um, but, you know, my family is from Lebanon and we are Muslim. So that was definitely an interesting perspective, I guess, to say to have um, in a small Southern Baptist town in Florida. Um, we were probably one of a handful, if that, of, you know, Middle Eastern and or Muslim families um, in the area. So, you know, it was definitely difficult, you know, being of a different religion, uh, you know, different nationality from people, you know, people were not that nice a lot of the time. Um, being from a pretty small religious town, it was a lot of, you know, well, if you don't accept Jesus, like, you, we can't be friends. And that's Yikes. just kind of hard to hear, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah. well, cool. Well, I'll see you at school, I guess, <laughs> you know, and, um, Yikes. you know, ninth grade, 9-11 happened. Mm. Um, so that, that definitely caused like a lot of anxiety, um, you know, because I don't look Muslim. Um, I don't look like a Middle Easterner. You know, some people have a hard time pronouncing my name and that's really the end of it. Uh, so in high school, you know, people really said how they felt and they didn't really mm -hmm. realize like a Muslim or a Middle Easterner was in the room. Yeah. Um, so they would say stuff about Arab people or Muslim people or people of color and I never really stuck up for myself and that kind yeah. of sucks like now that I look back at it I should have been like hey fuck you yeah. but you know I might have been like hey that's not nice guys oh shucks okay you know but I probably you know as outspoken as I was about other things like that wasn't really something I really brought up right so between you know dealing with this backlash that the country, you know, faced. And of course, everybody was upset and it was a horrible thing to have happened. You know, being part of that group that's now being called out like on mainstream yeah. media kind of sucked. Right, right. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many, there's so many pieces in this story, right? Because the first thing is like middle school and high school are hard. <laughs> They're hard. They're really challenging. And we are all trying to figure out like, who are our people and do I fit in? And can I be myself around others? And like, I can relate. I didn't wear makeup. Right. Um, I had, I had a cousin who we both know, um, Zaina and I are related for all of our audience. So <laughs> she married my cousin. I have another cousin who would, would tell me how bad my eyebrows were in high school. And she plucked them to having like no eyebrows. Cause that was the nineties. That was the thing then. <laughs> and, yeah, so, terrible. and so I can very much relate to like the, the insecurity and the anxiety around appearances and the like, who is my friend group? And maybe I'm just going to like feel close with like one extra person. But then on top of that is the piece of like who you are deep down that it doesn't feel safe saying like you are in Florida and you're in this Southern Baptist town. Right. And you, it sounds like you kept yourself safe in the town by not saying who you were by not sharing that piece because who knows what would have happened, especially around 9-11, if people knew like your family and you are from Lebanon or, you know, you're Muslim, like saying that stuff was probably terrifying to say then, even now, even now, I'm sure it's like anxiety producing for some people. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say like I, I felt like an immediate danger. I mean, there was mm -hmm. definitely people that I knew that knew and you know, whatever. But then, you know, of course there's people in your high school. Well, maybe you guys, I don't know how big your high schools were, but you know, we definitely had people that I didn't know that were kind of from the sticks a little bit and were not as tolerant as, you know, my drama friends right. or 
my band friends or my math club friends because I was yeah. a super nerd. Um, not that I was in band. I'm musically challenged. I can relate <laughs> to all that except for math. You lost me at math. I was like, yeah, yeah no, I did like all the clubs band. except science. I could no not math. do science. I did like math. I did French. I did like brain Love bowl. It. I did all the things. You didn't fit in with the people from the sticks. That's that's. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, so then you're like, okay, well, it's time for me to get a boyfriend. And you just feel weird because you're like, well, he's super rednecky. He's going to make me go to church with him. All right. He's okay. But like, he's probably gotten with like 10 other girls. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just was not like a comfortable space for me. I yeah. guess. I don't know. Yeah. And, well, uh, and the Jesus piece too. That's the other part. Like, what, what was it that you said? If you don't accept, what was it? If you don't accept it Jesus? It was, I believe the line that I heard a few times was, if you don't accept Jesus in your heart, and then I believe the rest of it would be as your Lord and Savior, but they would cut that part out. That part's assumed. Um, <laughs> we can't really be friends. We can't be friends. Like, wow. Yeah. That's quite yeah, a Yeah, that definitely happened like a couple of times. I mean, and then, you know, if you spend the night at a friend's house, which you know, kids in school often do. If it was Saturday mm-hmm. night, you, you're going to church with your friends on Sunday, you know, wow. and that, that was just kind of weird. Yeah. You know, like, I don't really want to do that. Right. Like, I'm not religious. I'm not, you know, like I'm Muslim, I guess by birth or whatever, but yeah. like, I don't want to go to anybody's church. I don't even right. go to like my religious gathering place. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to go to yours. Right. You know? And then the whole time the parents are trying to like make it okay. Like they're just, mm. it's just amen. It's okay. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, I wow. don't know the words to the song. I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I don't care. Yeah. But do you think that there was elements of them trying to teach you something? Like it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Which, I, don't know. I, mean, would I think, be even I think more deep down up. they just believed like, I really should be into this. Mm. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, so that was definitely anxiety inducing, like, oh, will they still want to be friends if I don't go to church with them? Or, oh, will they still want to be friends if, you know, I don't convert, which obviously I never did. Um, Yeah, that was, that was, high school was a weird time. Yeah. I'm curious, like, what, do you know anything? How did your parents react to 9-11 9-11 and, and their experience in the small Southern Baptist town. Was it, did they talk to you about it at all or was it not well, really? So my mom was a housewife. She's in her own little bubble. She barely goes out. She just goes to the store and comes back. She doesn't work. She doesn't have a job. Um, and my dad just worked a lot. He just went to the office and he came back, you know, or he had a lot of like out of state like contract position. So he'd be gone for like a month and come home and visit, go home, go back and come back. Like, mm-hmm. so he was gone a lot. Um, I do remember on that day that he was really sad. Like even my mom was like super sad, but my, you know, not only was he like upset at what was happening, you know, but I think a piece of him was like devastated that it was someone that he was now going to be associated with, yeah. even though it was someone he didn't even know. Right. Um, it was, it was a tough time. I remember like my dad just kind of doing like one of those head in your hands kind of thing. Like when they announced who it was and, you know, they were pretty definitive about, about it. You know, that was after like the whole day of like watching that footage, like over and over, mm-hmm. like, and the pundits saying like the same thing, you know, you're just like drained by the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but that's like another interesting thing, like that's difficult for people whose parents aren't immigrants is the kids are in charge sometimes. Like I have to tell my mom still to this day, like how the world works, like how the U.S. functions, like, no, mom, like you have to stand over here. No, you have to call. You have to do this. Like some of the social things like they don't really understand like they invited you over you have to like go over there like yes you bring something with you like it's I don't know there's a lot of anxiety like as a kid that you're kind of having to tell your parents like how to behave like in front of your friend's parents a little bit what's like socially accepted in this country right yeah Yeah. you know and Mm -hmm. um so my mom never really 
like talked about any of that. Like it, it's just kind of like a whoosh over her head a little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was awful. And she was, you know, sad about everybody who was affected by it and how it kind of like tore our country apart, but never like a sit down kind of right. conversation with me. Yeah. Interesting. I was just, yeah, in the moment I was like, man, I, we didn't, like when we talked about this story in our call, I was like, I wonder um, how the whole family unit might have reacted and how that might have been different from you. Um, speak to us a little bit about how anxiety shows up in your mind and your body and your behaviors, either then or now, or maybe if there's some carryover from your youth into your adulthood. Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of it is worrying just worrying thoughts just like incessant just like non-stop like almost repetitive like I literally woke up at four o'clock this morning like super excited for this and I was like rehearsing what I was gonna say and like you know like the whole thing mm -hmm. like you know you do the whole thing in your head and um so there's definitely that there's scratching you know like I'll I'll definitely itch mm -hmm. pick up my nails pick up my skin on my hands and my feet um and eating definitely stress eating like that's that's like the number one like can I go find something to eat right now mm. do you have your go-tos carbs carbs <laughs> muffins okay, carbs are comfort yeah. yeah like if it's in the pantry I'm gonna eat it desserts yeah Yes. Yeah, so my sweets. nephew affectionately calls me the dessert queen. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name, actually. Yeah. I, like I don't mind it. Yeah. <laughs> there are worse things to be called. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I love how, I mean, just like in a, like a general way, like when, when we talk to people about how anxiety shows up, like it's so common, the fidgeting with the fingers, the biting the nails, the picking at the skin. Um, so I guess my question is like, when you notice those things, like, oh, I'm scratching or, you know, oh, I'm, I'm picking at my skin or whatever. Like, what do you do? Are you like, oh, what's stressing me out? Are you like, ah, I need to stop. Or are you like, nope, this feels good. I'm, I'm going to keep going. Like, what, what do you do in those moments? So the picking at the skin, like I will pick dead skin until like it's raw. Yeah. And I know that sounds gross. It's probably like TMI, but we've had other people have the I same have to thing. I myself to stop. Like I have yeah. to be like, you're going to make like the callus on your heel, like bleed. Like, yeah. why are you doing this? Right. And sometimes I don't. Yeah. 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 You know, medication really helps being mm -hmm. medicated, mm -hmm. you know, definitely um, brings, brings down the highs and keeps the lows from being too low. So, yeah. You know. And so I think we're going to talk more about this, but, but can we speak a little bit about medication? Like, um, sure. Like, when did you start? Like what made you decide? So when I went to college the first time in 2005, um, you know, you move away from home, it's very stressful. It's, you know, you're very nervous. Um, and I kept having like these obsessive thoughts and like, I would like fixate on things. And then I would like do these things. Like it was almost like a manic episode, but it was like mm -hmm. mostly in my head where I would, I would like stress out about something for like three days. And then I would like sleep for a day and it would be like this whole cycle thing. And they were like, okay, you have general anxiety disorder. Here's some Prozac. Didn't like the Prozac. Then they put me on the Zoloft and the Zoloft was fine. Mm -hmm. um, I did that for a long time, four or five years. And then I stopped. I was like, I'm good. You know what? I got this. Um, then, you know, I met Garrett and we were, you know, together. We moved, we did this, we did that. You know, it was totally fine. I mean, I probably still had the thoughts and the feelings and the occasional like panic attack and escalation. Um, but really, what did it was in 2018, um, my dad got really sick. Yeah. He was in the hospital for like over a month. Mm. Um, and he had problems. He had heart problems and then he had diabetes. And then the trifecta of those diseases is kidney disease. Mm. 
So he got a UTI and then he ended up in the hospital and his kidneys were failing and he was there for a really long time. So I started really, really obsessing about medical conditions yeah. and food because all of those things are food related, which is like hilarious because we just got done talking about how like I'm the dessert queen and <laughs> I love desserts. Um, so I literally like didn't eat for like two weeks. I was, I lost like 15 pounds like oh. that. It was the best diet I've ever done in my <laughs> life. I was like, this is great. I look amazing. But like inside I was like, Ugh. Yeah, you know, I kept thinking I was going to have a heart attack. I kept like compulsively mm. checking my pulse. You know, um, Garrett, my husband was like, what is wrong with you? Like I'd be pacing and mm. sweating. Um, and then I ended up in the hospital. They, wow. Like I like couldn't bring my heart rate down. Like I compulsively had one of those like blood pressure pulse checking things mm -hmm. on. And um, again, I was just like obsessing about it. And um he, he took me to like the emergency room and we didn't even tell my mom and, and my dad was already in the hospital. Oh, so we went to a different hospital yeah. and um, yeah, the guy gave me like Ativan and he like knocked me out. He's like, this bitch has got too much on her plate. Like <laughs> she needs to chill out. I'm to rest. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, I was going back to college for a second degree. My dad was in the hospital. We had just moved back to Florida. I had just gotten like a random job at like Publix or something like, I was trying to do everything for everybody yeah. and seeing my dad like that, you know, first of all, my dad was a horrible patient. Like I would give anything to just, like spend one more day with my dad, but boy, was he a dick and he was just not nice. Like he wasn't feeling good. Like he wasn't, yeah. he was super medicated. So things were just coming out. Um, you know, that really sucked to see. And then I was like, oh my God, this is all because of food he has this problem because of food. Like wow. I'm not going to eat anything. Yeah. The bear claw with my coffee, definitely not having that coffee, definitely not having coffee. Cause then I'm just going to stay up till like next Thursday. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just like an elimination, mm -hmm. like, and then I think I would have like one meal a day and eventually like, I just, I ended up in the hospital for like a couple hours and then they, they gave me something, but it's really for allergies. I forgot what it was called, but it, mm -hmm. it'll like, just kind of make you go like, yeah, which is kind of like what I needed sometimes. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But then I went back and now I'm back on the Zoloft again. So yeah, it's real good. I just, I mean, I just want to highlight one, like meds are tools, right? We can yeah. use them to help us. Um, because I think sometimes there's stigma around medication and also around therapy. And, um, I think that, you know, um, I think they serve a purpose for sure. And I've been on meds for anxiety as, as well in my life. And I've come off of them. And when my dad was ill, I started taking some Ativan again, you know, like you can use them to support you. And the other thing I just want to say is, um, I just feel like, you know, mental health is so undervalued, so under, like, it's just so overlooked, right? Like you have all of these things on your plate and how often are people like, Hey, like maybe, maybe you should see a doctor for your mental health. Like let's support that piece of it. Right. As opposed to just like a broken bone and dealing with that or a heart racing and going for that. Right. Um, yeah. There's so much shame around it, right? It's like what you were just saying, Abby, I appreciate you saying, it's like, well, I mean, we've said it like broken records here on this podcast, how often the stigma around therapy, the stigma around talking about mental health, about being honest about your anxiety or about whatever it is that's, that you're coping with on a daily basis and being able to say, hang on a second, this is a part of me. My mental yeah. health is a serious part of my health. So why, why is there such shame surrounding it? Right. And so many warriors out there, I'm sure can relate to like the thought, not that that's what you're saying, Zena, but like, I think generally what kind of what Abby was alluding to is that there is the stigma surrounding. There is. Things. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And there shouldn't be, there should be zero shame around getting the help you need in whatever form it's going to come in. And that could yeah. be medication and there's nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, I remember going to therapy and like, I'm telling the therapist my problems and I'm like, this is such a basic white girl problem. 
Like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh man, I'm upset that like, you know, my sister did this when I was 12 or, you know, oh my, you know what I mean? And it was just like, but those are my problems, you know, and yeah. it, just because someone doesn't really think your problem is a big deal doesn't mean like it's bad that you're going to talk about it. Yeah. You just, you need someone to hold the space for you to process it because otherwise you're still holding on to it. Right. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the beauty about therapy is, is you can really process stuff out loud. And if it sounds like you need help, the therapist will help you. But sometimes like, I mean, I know I went there and I talked to the 40 minutes and at the end I was like, I feel better. I've made sense of things, you know? Yeah. Sometimes um, people just need to be heard. That's yes. it. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to say in relation to like mental health and, 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 you know, getting care, it's like, if we break our arm, we're not going to be like, no, I'm not getting a cast. Right. <laughs> right. Like, There's no I shame mean, around getting a cast. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my Weakling. gosh. You, you broke your arm and you're going to put a cast on your arm and just it's pop like, it back in. What's the problem? Yeah. Yeah. You should just suck it up. Just and go get to work over the it. next day. <laughs> just get over it. So, right. You're being dramatic. Yeah. Right. This right. The bullshit we say to people <laughs> that are experiencing, you know, emotional issues of any kind. Yeah. You're yeah. being dramatic. Get over it. Such BS. Mm-hmm. Crazy. All right. Well, part of our call, which I really loved, Zeno, was about um, how social anxiety has played a role in your life. And you talked a little bit about this, thinking about um, what it was like to be a teenager and you had, you know, some anxiety surrounding appearances and, and all that jazz. So, like, talk to us a little bit about how um, social anxiety has played a role in your life. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's a big one. So, you know, we went over how, you know, my parents are from a different country and I, you know, I, I don't look different, but I, you know, my background is different. I go home and it's different at home. And so, you know, it was hard, even though I've always lived in this country, I've never even been to Lebanon. I've never, you know, lived over there. I've lived here my whole life. I'm a citizen. Clearly I was born here. My parents are naturalized citizens. Um, but there's always this weird, like, social purgatory. Mm. I'm not Lebanese enough to be mm. Lebanese, and I'm not American enough to be American. So, like, even I have one Lebanese friend that I met at school, and she was like, oh, you, Lebanon's not really your country. Like, it's my country, because she grew up there. And I guess that's true, you know, like, technically the truth, but still suck to hear, you know, like, so there's definitely that aspect. Um, you know, so, so maybe I like tried to compensate a little bit by like, why am I not popular? Why am I not pretty? Um, why am I not homecoming queen? Why Mm -hmm. am I not the popular girl at school? Why is nobody asking me out? Um, maybe they did. And I just was too dense to get it. I don't know, but I definitely felt like I was the ugly duckling. Um, and I started to look at like my behavior, clearly the clothes needed to change. Clearly I needed to like work on the hair because I'm pretty sure for ninth and 10th, no 10th and 11th grade, I had a mullet, um, accidentally. Okay. I had like a pixie cut that was growing into like normal length. Yeah. <laughs> and it just didn't look right for a few temporary years. mullet. I mean, you were in Florida. Doesn't that fit in? It's like the standard. Just Apparently not. Okay. Um, you know, I wore mismatching clothes cause I was just so cool and like, whatever. Um, so then I, like, as I got older, you know, of course, Garrett is wonderful. He's like the sweetest human being you've ever met. So then Agreed. you start to like reflect, like, I could be more like this person. Mm. You know, I could soften some edges. I could work on some things. So I started doing like, um, you know, um, this lovely book here, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's it's one of my go-tos. I do need to reread it. Um, but just things that like help you make friends. Yeah like how to function in the workplace normally, like don't, don't tell people their clothes look ratty or, you know, like things people have said to you 
or things you have heard your father say in the car about somebody Mm -hmm. outside of the car Mm -hmm. cannot hear them yeah which you know as a kid you're like oh that's kind of true like but it was horrible and it was super mean and you shouldn't be saying stuff like that yeah but it was normalized Um, yeah so I, I worked a lot I worked a lot on softening my approach to things, Mm -hmm. softening my replies to things. Um, So I feel like that's helped. Yeah. I feel like I can at least be invisible. Mm. Like if I just look the part, I'll just be overlooked and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, I definitely speak up when I feel like I need to speak up and I've definitely worked on my approach. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, to a lot of things. And I, I do feel like that helps. Like yeah. if you sit and think about like, okay, if everybody around me is the asshole, I'm probably the asshole in this situation. <laughs> There's a common denominator here and it's me. So let me figure out yeah. what I'm doing here. Right. You know, whether you make a list of what you think is awful about you or you just try out being nice. Yeah. Like that was the first thing. It was like, instead of saying something mean, say something nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, Hey, your hair looks good today. You know, like just, it was free. It doesn't cost you anything. Right. It's totally fine. And it, you know, sometimes you end up making friends with people you never thought you would make friends with. Yeah. Um, there was a woman, like an older woman who clearly smoked like four packs of cigarettes a day. And she sat behind me in one of my more recent college classes and she would like cough, like, <clears throat> like randomly throughout the class. Yeah. And so like, I, you know, give her like the over the shoulder, like, what are you doing? Like, can you not? And then I decided instead of being mean to her, I was going to be nice to her. And I offered her a cough drop and we became friends. Oh, yeah. Like we started talking and then it turned out her son had kidney disease. And we talked about Aww. my dad and her son and she works in a restaurant. She does bookkeeping and she was coming back to get her degree in accounting. And it was like a whole thing. And like we texted for a while and I haven't actually reached out to her in a while. I probably should do that. But that was one way that I overcame my judgments yeah. and my fear and I made a friend. And that's, I mean, that's huge because it sounds like one, like part of your childhood, either what was being modeled to you or how people were treating you was by like tearing people down or pointing out the negative or, and so that's how you grew up thinking that that was like the normal way of being and interacting. And I mean, I definitely like had some friends that that's what we did. We tore each other down and that was our friendship. Right. Right. Um, But, but I mean, I just love personally, like, you know, Garrett, who is Zaina's husband and my cousin, right? Like inspired you where you're like, oh, wait, there's another way of being. And then yeah. you did the work and it doesn't have to be these huge grandiose actions. It's like, let me offer a woman who's coughing a cough drop rather than being annoyed with her. And like it opened up a friendship and it's just like those small steps that we can take. Like, I think people can relate to the go-to being annoyed with other human beings like, Oh, that asshole didn't hold the door open for me or whatever it is. And instead we can reframe it in like, how can I actually be kind to this person in this situation? Or, you know, what, what does it seem like they need right now? Maybe the person's in a rush, like whatever it might be. And that small step, who knows where that will lead them. So that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. It's like planting a seed. Yeah. I might have still internally been annoyed for sure. Like, <laughs> and that's, that's normal. Can you please stop coughing during yeah. class? Yeah. Yeah. But outwardly, and that, I mean, it was sincere. Like I, I'm just joking here, yeah. but really like. You found a way to connect. Yeah. Right? I tried. Because yeah. when people Absolutely. feel like you, you cared enough, right. To, I mean, to hand someone a cough chop who's seriously hacking behind you while the instinct is to be like, please shut the hell up. I'm trying to learn. And also I don't want you getting me sick or whatever may be going on with you. I just think what, what I'm hearing is that you found a way instead to connect to that person mm-hmm. and that person I'm sure left feeling, I mean, you said, you just said that this person became a friend. And so there you go, right. That's, yeah. that's your answer. Yeah. But even if you didn't become friends, right. Instead of 
being like, can you please be quiet or stop cough away from the back of my head? Or <laughs> that's, that's instantly going to shut down that person. Right. And, but instead you chose to connect yeah. and I, uh, I, in a way yeah. that was accessible and felt safe for you too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I love that too. And I can, I can definitely relate to the notes of like, and I think it's awesome that you've chosen over the years to reflect on your own way of speaking and acting mm-hmm. towards others, because I don't think that's always easy for folks, especially people with social anxiety. So, yeah, or with social awkwardness, which I definitely have always had like my whole life. And so I could very much relate to sort of like having an edge to some of my responses to people sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a, a big part of, at least with the social anxiety is just kind of embracing it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like public speaking and I know, you know, we had Lou on and he talked about public speaking, but like, I got super, super nervous, like public speaking. I'm not even public speaking right now. And I'm like, <laughs> but like, part of it is like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to do it and it's going to be fine. And like you said, you could just turn around and be like, listen, that wasn't the greatest thing. I'm sorry, you know, like, mm-hmm. but, yeah. and you just own it. Yeah. Um, but totally. part of, I think a big step with me overcoming a lot of the social stuff is just, you know, thinking the bad thought, assessing the bad thought, and then like figuring out how like I can make it not so bad. Yeah. Yeah. What's the next step to making it, you know, a better thought or a better thought. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or do I need to say everything I'm thinking out loud too? (laughs) That's true. That was hard for me to learn. Well, we're glad you just really quickly as a side note, you are stunning. I know you've mentioned many times like that. I mean, look, we all have our weird insecurities about the way we look and, but I think you are absolutely beautiful. I just want you to know that. So, um, you've mentioned this already and we kind of dove into it, but, um, you talked about how anti-anxiety medication has played a big role in, in helping you to cope with your, um, anxiety. So what are some of the other things that you like to do? Some of your go-to strategies for when you're dealing with anxiety in one way or another? Um, I like napping. Napping mm. is great. Um, probably just doing something that I enjoy doing, just taking a step, you know, if I'm working or if I'm studying and I'm just like overwhelmed and I'm not focusing and I just keep picking up my phone. That's like my go-to is just to zonk out on my phone. Yeah. And like, I really know, like, I got to stop. Like I get the alert like every week, you know, like, hey, your shit went up like 500%. Like, thanks for being (laughs) on the phone all day. And, you know, like, I just feel like I have too much going on. So like, I try to take a step back. I try to like, maybe just watch TV or Mm -hmm. like, just do one thing. Cause I feel like sometimes when I get overwhelmed, I'm like, let's see how much I can pile on. So I don't like feel any of this anxiety and I'll get more done and I'll be busy. And you know, cause there's like the whole busy versus productive thing. And yeah, I'm just busy, not dealing with it. Right. Um, right. So I try to not be busy hanging out with Garrett. Um, since my dad passed away after being really sick that one summer, um, my mom lives with us. So that's super fun. I like hanging out with her. Uh, I got two dogs that I like to hang out with. Um, when I, you know, had spare time, I rode horses and read a lot of books and like to go on trips and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty typical stuff. Maybe so, a mani-pedi every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> well, treating yourself. Um, so I, I can relate to a lot of those. First of all, I love that you said napping. Cause that is like, when I'm feeling super anxious, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, like I feel like giving myself permission to take a nap is sometimes the nicest thing I can do for myself, right? Like a guilt-free nap. Um, and it also, I feel like sometimes like with that overwhelm, it is so overwhelming inside the body. Like the body needs a break from the feeling of anxiety, um, but the other thing that I like is that you said you use your phone, right? And I, mm-hmm. I think that sometimes I'll speak for me. Sometimes when I'm overwhelmed and I'm anxious and I feel like I have so many things to do, it's hard for my brain to choose the next step. So it's easier for me to pick up my phone 
and like mindlessly focus on my phone. And it actually helps me start to let the other thoughts settle. So it helps me choose the next step. And so I just want to like say like, you know, sometimes even though like we know like our phones aren't that great and we can be addicted to them and we might waste a lot of time on them, they can also serve a useful purpose um, because sometimes by checking out from the overwhelm, it can help things settle. So then we can figure out the next thing to do. I like the positive spin you put on that. <laughs> we can spin anything, spin room here sometimes. Um, yeah, I really value you saying all that stuff too. Cause I feel like a lot of people, not just on this podcast, but generally when someone's like, how do you cope with the shit you have to deal with in your life? People want to like paint a picture of things that not necessarily are false or fake, but they're telling you this only the stuff that mm -hmm. sounds good. Like, oh, I do deep breathing and meditation. And Abby and I both do both of those things, but those aren't our only strategies. Some of my strategies are like, I'm going to watch The Office for my thousandth time through. I'm going to put on the baking show because it makes me happy and our world is crap. Like, you know, yes, there, there yeah. are normal, like mundane things that we can do that, that there's nothing wrong with also like dipping into the, yeah, let's clear our thoughts for a while. Right. Realm. Right. And, and yeah. I'm going to nerd out just for a second, but when we think about our nervous systems and when you think about like, like when we have a ton of stuff to do, it is a threat to our nervous system. And when that overwhelm happens, sometimes our body wants to react like it's a bear right? When we have a lot of stuff to do and we don't know where to start. And so what a go-to behavior might be is a form of disassociation where instead of seeing all of the things we have to do with the threat head on, we need to actually like take a break and disassociate from the moment. And we might use TV and phones and all that from it. And so it's like, some of that behavior isn't like being lazy or like not ignoring. It's like a form of coping with the overwhelm of the stress. And then like we get back together and we're like, okay, well, there's actually like a lot of stuffed animal bears and it's not an actual bear. And now I can handle it. Also naps are life, by the way. Yes. <laughs> naps are life. I yeah. I've been napping. I never stopped napping since I was like two years old. <laughs> I know. It's a shame. They take it away from people like in middle school, high school, adults. Like right. why is it only kindergarten? You get to take naps. Like I get tired after lunch. <laughs> Me too. I'm a morning person by like two 30. I'm like done. I'm done for the day. My yep. brain sometimes I'm like, agreed. <laughs> agreed. No, I need a nap. Yeah. Yes. So Zena, tell us a little bit about what you feel like your relationship is to your anxiety now. Um, it's like that really big, heavy purse that you decide you need to take everywhere with you, but you literally only use like the tiny wallet. Like, like it's just there. Yeah. It's just the bag with all the shit in it that just, it just goes with you. And you, you have really good biceps now because of it. And mm. you have all the tools for everybody around you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just there. It's just something you take with you every day. Yeah. And um, you just take a deep breath and try and be positive. Yay. Yeah. I love, <laughs> I love that analogy. Right. It's like, okay, my relationship to my anxiety is it's heavy. It's not always comfortable. There's pieces that serve me. There's pieces that don't serve me. I'm going to lug it around. Um, but I know that, you know, there's things I can do with it. But I love like the the schlepping of the big. I mean, bag. I think we all know the person with the big giant purse that you're like, why are you carrying this purse? We're at like a theme park or <laughs> something like, why do you have this like oh. three gallon purse? Like I just got shoulder pain listening to you talk about right. being at a yeah, theme park. Like, I mean, and that's just purse. what it is. I mean, there's, right. you know, like I cope with it and it's there and I'm medicated. So I you know, turn down the volume a little bit, but I feel like unconsciously. So I, I, I know we're all big fans of the office here. So, and maybe some of our listeners too, but I listened to office ladies podcasts and Jenna Fisher used almost the same analogy that you did. And I was oh, immediately really? went, swear to God, she, um, talked to, she says it's her backpack. Her anxiety is her backpack. And Angela Kinsey, who is her co-host who obviously played Angela Martin on the office, um, asks her every once in a while, how big's the backpack today? How heavy is your backpack? Today? Oh, and it's just like a way of connecting, you know? Uh, and I, I love that. It's like 
pretty much a mirrored um, analogy to <laughs> you. Not steal that. I promise. I listened no. to like the first three episodes of that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell that you didn't know that. I, you know, it's <laughs> it was completely authentic to you. But I just love that, like that it's out there in the world. There's, yeah. there's more people saying it. Yeah. It's something that we have with us all the time. And us as ladies, and sometimes we have to carry around big ass bags, even if mm-hmm. we don't want to, you know? Yeah. It's I mean, a, you know, and so we have to deal got with baggage, it. right? Sometimes it. you get to leave it at home. Sometimes you don't. And sometimes the people around us or our situations can help lighten it a little bit. Too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Or you can help lighten theirs. Ah, I love, love all this. Yeah. So good. We're just like unrolling this metaphor even more. I love it. Um, Okay. So you can go back in time and speak to a young version of yourself. What kind of advice would you give her? Don't get an English degree. (laughs) Whoa. So specific. (laughs) I thought about that. I knew this question was coming. I thought about it long and hard. Like, what would I tell myself? Obsessed. Right. You could have done, you could have done what you're doing now earlier. Could have could have saved a decade. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, let's see what else. I mean, maybe I would have started being more positive and, you know, less obnoxious younger. So that would have helped too. <laughs> awesome. And you couldn't I have been that obnoxious because my cousin loves you. Right. Uh, and it's been a very long-term relationship. Yeah, it'll be 14 years in December. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that December, I heard you had a really amazing person marry the two of you. Um, you know, she was great. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, if it wasn't obvious, we're talking about Abby. <laughs> <laughs> I married my cousins. <laughs> wow. I, I officiated the wedding for all those that don't understand go. my yeah. joke. <laughs> Okay. All right. So final question before we get into some lightning rounds, what does being an anxiety warrior mean to you? Um, I think it would just be like getting up, doing what you got to do and doing it the best you can do it. Hmm. I feel like really that's, especially these days, that's like really all you can ask for is like, did I get up? Did I do what I had to do? Did I do it in a the best way I could have done it? Like, you know, sure, some days we don't perform as well. But, like, did you give it your all? And, I mean, did you keep the voices below? Yeah. Keep, it, yeah. keep them at bay. Right. Right. Because that's part of it is, like, you know, the ability to do the best you can each day. Um, changes because like, what's the narrative going on in our head and you know, what, how heavy is our bag that day? Right. And so the ability to get up and show up, and I mean, it sounds like an accept that things change, right. And you're, you're going with the flow. Um, just so you know, when Margot did this, these are twinkle fingers and it's like, uh, my heart sees your heart. It's like, Aww, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do this a lot. And, but I, I didn't think you knew twinkle fingers. So I just I wanted didn't. you. So he'll, otherwise Margo was just like wiggling her fingers. I thought it was like a time's almost up. Wrap it up <laughs> no, no, no. It's well, I call it sparkle and shine. We usually call it twinkle, sparkle and shine, but all righty Rue. It's all time right. for some lightning <laughs> Okay. You may take a pause, take a beat, take a breath. You don't have to answer super fast. Just because the word lightning's in the title doesn't mean it has to come at us really fast. So we're going to go back and forth, Abby and I, asking mm-hmm. you a silly, fun, get to know Zena question and uh, get to know you a little bit better. Sound good? Yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> seems skeptical, this. y'all. I'm really bad at like, what's your favorite or oh. what's the best? Like, those are not like- yeah. I have a hard time with those too. Yeah. I'll be like, well, if I'm happy, I really like this. If I'm in this mood, I like Mm -hmm. these. So get ready for a lot of pauses. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. Okay. You got this. You got this. You go first. I go first. Um, I'll go first. Okay. Okay. What is your all-time favorite movie? And can you give us any quotes from it? Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, all day. (laughs) <laughs> okay what's your favorite line well 
filet and fast food is a line that we say in this house like <laughs> all day every day i don't know why but we do um mr shikadance is a recurring <laughs> character in this house um finkel is einhorn einhorn is- <laughs> Classic. i mean all of these things happen all the time i mean they're things that we say yeah so good oh my yeah, god i mean that's like my movie like i remember being like in first or second grade and you know he says like holy testicle tuesday and i remember asking my sister who's like four years older than me going what's a testicle but i said the line all the time like i didn't stop saying it like it was the best thing i could have possibly said i had no idea what the hell i was saying but i loved it i just loved like his fun to say and and like his facial expressions like the outfits yeah yeah I'm getting such a glimpse into you. I love it. I, my, yeah. One of my favorite moments from that movie is when he just like s- sticks his head out the window. While he's <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You like, know, Dan Marino keeps asking for gum and he's like, stay <laughs> out of my personal affairs, Dan. Like, great. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yes. See, you did it. You answered a favorite question I and did. you did it quickly. I did. Yeah, I did it. Yeah. I, I did it. That's a win. Uh, you got it. All right, so I'm going to ask a favorite question too. What is your favorite statue? <laughs> I don't have a favorite statue. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland, Central Park. Okay. <laughs> and and just so you all know, Zena went to New York City for her first time uh, oh, wow. a few weeks ago. And they kept sending me pictures of them with statues. And I was like, you just go to New York City to see statues? And then there are a lot. There's a lot. And then, of course, the final one was of um, uh, the Statue of Liberty. So it was really, really funny. Yeah, no, the Statue of Liberty was awesome. That's that's the cream of the crop of statues. This is not Alice in Wonderland in Central Park. (laughs) But I took a selfie of us, like, just kind of, it's kind of like on this big, like, rotunda thing. Yeah. And there was kids playing on it, but like, we just wanted to sit down and it was just behind <laughs> us. And like, Abby's like, are you guys just looking at statues? And it just kind of became a theme of the rest of the trip that all we were doing was going to New York City to look at <laughs> statue statues. Hunt. The statue hunt, love it. Okay. Do you prefer cooking or baking? Mm. And depending on your answer, what's your like best meal or dessert? And since we learned that you're the dessert queen. Yeah, baking. Okay. (laughs) What's your go-to like to bake? Um, I like to try different things, but so when the pandemic first started, we had Downton Abbey parties and like my friend would come over and Garrett would get dressed up. We'd all get dressed up and um, I would make like English tea time kind of stuff. I bought the Downton Abbey cookbook and whatever, but my favorite thing to make was the, I forget what it's called. It's, it's like a sponge cake and you dust sugar over it, but in between there's like a raspberry jam. And I think they use like whipped cream or something lame. I put some buttercream frosting in there and that shit was good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Zaina, if you were a dog, what type of dog would you be? I'd be a chihuahua. And I'd be wh- one of my chihuahuas. <laughs> Which specifically one? one of my chihuahuas. Which chihuahua would you be? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm. Mm. Would I be Coco? Coco is the queen. Like she does get to do like whatever she wants to do. Yeah. She's adorable. Yeah. I'd probably be Coco. Okay. Okay. Finish the line. Oh, Jesus. One day I want to be done with these CPA exams. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah. That's a dream you got coming. That's but I should be. make it like more adventurous. Like one day I want to travel to Europe. <laughs> yeah, let's go with your first term. one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> first CPA exams, then travel. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. If you could be cast in any movie of your choice, what movie would you be in and which character would you play? So I was obsessed with Moulin Rouge. Like I always wanted to be Nicole Kidman's character because I mean, she's across from Ian McGregor. I mean, like, come on. So <laughs> I think that's what I would do. 
I love All it. Right. I love so it. Good. I yeah. love that movie. And too. I wish I could sing. Like I always wish like that was like something I could do. Mm-hmm. Sing or play music or we do a lot of singing here and we can't sing. Yeah. So. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Cool. You can sing. Yeah. Just, you, know, you won't get paid for it. That's okay. <laughs> I just wish like the singing that came out of me was pleasant. Mm, <laughs> me I too. hear that. Yeah. Same. I feel the same. Yeah. So good. All right. So before we let you go, Zena, do you have a win of the week for us? Yeah. I passed my first CPA exam. Woo! We got the scores yeah. last week. So I was super excited about that. I'm going to ride that one for a few weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That you amazing. were so stressed about that. We had like multiple like text conversations leading yeah. up to it and everything. So like, what a relief. Like, that's so exciting. Yes. So Lots of twinkles. More. Very exciting. <laughs> You're on your way. So good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. So, so much for being a guest tonight with us, Zena. It was such a pleasure. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. We appreciate you, Warrior. Have a great one. Thanks. You too. Woo. It was so awesome re-listening to this conversation with Zena. She is so funny. Yeah. 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 I forgot how funny she is. (laughs) I (laughs) am. I had no idea about her love for um, Ace Ventura. And um, <laughs> I need to make sure to let her know that my mom's really good friend was the producer of that film. What? That yeah. should have come up during the convo. Should have. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Super oh, fun. goodness. Yeah, it was a great chat. Um, what were some of your takeaways from this conversation? Um, okay. So there's so many takeaways for me. And, and part of it is because, you know, Zane is part of my family, but we don't always have these conversations. Right. right. And so for me, I had no idea about how she grew up in a small town in Florida, um, during nine 11 and, and, you know, um, for me, like one of the takeaways is you just never know. You never know someone's story. You never know their background. Like maybe you learn it at some point, but just how important it is to, to be aware of what you're saying and how that can impact other people. Even if you don't assume stuff about other people, um, it just, yeah, that was something that just was really coming up for me. Um, you just don't know people's stories. Um, and sometimes you don't know to ask, but just how, how important what you say is because you don't know if what you're saying is, is harming someone in your space. And she kind of mentions how, like she wished in hindsight, obviously as an adult years later, she would have said something or F you. And it's like, how many of us have been in that circumstance where someone was saying something derogatory or, just unkind or whatever. And we wanted to say something or we thought we should, but not until after the fact, like, oh man, looking back, I really wish I would have stood up for myself or said something. I think that's a really relatable piece, especially to those formative middle school, high school years that are so stressful, no matter Mm -hmm. what. And I'm just trying to imagine what it must've been like for a Muslim, a girl, a child, basically having to deal with her peers as a um, not just a minority in the community, but a part of a minority that was being stereotyped and labeled in really negative ways at right. that time. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And that, I mean, that kind of goes into like the next takeaway where like, you know, like I, so many people, I think this isn't like spoken about enough, but how many people just like, like yearn to feel like they belong. Mm-hmm. And a, like a lot of people have said that in different ways, like they didn't feel part of their community or they didn't feel part of, you know, the people in their school or, you know, and, and, you know, Zaina says this thing about, you know, feeling like she's in social purgatory where she's Lebanese, but not Lebanese enough. Right. And she's yeah. American, but not American enough. And like, how do you as a child grapple with that um, when you don't feel like you really belong anywhere? Um, and, and so for me, like the, the takeaway, it's just really how, how it's not spoken about enough about how much we long for belonging. That's really like my takeaway is that people will say it in like very safe conversations, but I don't think it's spoken about enough is like how, how it feels when, when we feel like we don't belong, um, 
and just how important like community is. And like, even just like when working with children, like making sure kids know that they belong because for Zaina, she had all of that anxiety around not knowing if she belongs or not. And like, what if she had had a teacher that like, you know, made an effort to be like, Hey, you're a child of immigrants and you know, you're coming into this place and like, how can I support you? So you feel more like you belong with us. Hmm. Yeah. Right. How challenging that must be. And as you just said, we don't know where, what everyone's story is. We don't know how the things we say might be taken by them at any point. And I also got this sense. Another takeaway was that like, we cannot be afraid to go back to a conversation later and either not necessarily apologize, but like revisit a moment with a person right? in a, in a, in a, in a social setting or yeah. whatever. And she kind of beautifully, very bluntly reflects some of the um, aspects of her personality or the way she related to people, mm-hmm. uh, how maybe it wasn't the greatest. And it, she kind of noticed, wait, if I'm maybe the common denominator, if everyone around me is a jackass, yeah. maybe it's, it's about what I'm attracting or right. how I'm speaking to others. And it's a, amazing that she's truly able to self-reflect that because not everybody's able to, or willing to. Yes. Yeah. And I could relate in many ways. Yeah. A lot of that. I, I, I mean, I loved that piece and I'm glad you're bringing it up. Like the, the first part about how she had that reflection piece and then she took responsibility for herself to make those changes. And, you know, I mean, me personally, like I'm like a light germaphobe, right? Like, I'm not going to say it's a problem, but like, you know, if I'm on the New York city subways and I touch something in the subway, I won't touch anything else until I wash my hands. Right. Like I feel subway on my hands until I get home and I'm not in the New York city subways anymore, you know, but my point in that is if there was someone sitting behind me hacking, um, it would, it would bother me a lot. And I don't know if I would have the mental strength to be like, oh, maybe I should offer this person a cough drop. Right. And, and so in that piece of like self-reflection and self-responsibility and taking the next step, it can be something so simple. Like you don't even have to befriend the coffer, right? You don't have to but it organically happened just by being nice, just by offering a cough drop and like connecting. Yeah. That was a huge takeaway for me because sometimes I feel like making friends is so challenging. Um, but really it could just be seeing like, Oh, this person's coughing. They need a cough drop or, or, or this person's rushing. Maybe I should hold the door open for them. Like it's such a small piece of connection and you don't know what could grow from it. Yeah. Right. It's meeting a need of some kind. And I'm sure that person, and yeah, as, as we're saying, didn't have to develop into a friendship. It's great that it did, but you know, it's, it still would have been hopefully a nice moment for Zena to say, like, I saw a need that could have been met and it could be met by me. And I did something about it and I helped someone and that's beautiful. beautiful. Um, yeah. And I, uh, I think we've, and we, we've talked about this with other guests, just some of the ways that she, talked about experiencing anxiety in her body. Mm-hmm. I think we've heard so many times like the fidgeting and the scratching of different body parts and um, picking at the nails and skin or playing with your hands and that kind of stuff really yeah. sat with me too. Yeah. Could definitely yeah. relate. Yeah. And, you know, I'll just say like the, the final thing and it kind of actually like circles back to the beginning of like, you just don't know what people are going through um, is her analogy for like schlepping the big bag. Right. And like, you know, that was a beautiful analogy also, because like when you see Zaina, right to me, like she's this beautiful, light spirited, funny person. And I don't see the big three gallon bag of crap she's lugging around her. And again, it's just like, we just, we just don't know. We don't know how like heavy people's bags are. Right. right. Like you back. said about, about mental health, if someone breaks their arm, we expect them to go get treated for it too. <sighs> There's no stigma or shame around, you know, wearing a cast. And yeah. so we can't see necessarily someone's experience, their mental health, their, the things like the bag they're lugging around, right. the anxiety, whatever it is. And so always to try to, it's a good reminder generally to just try to tread lightly. Yeah. And I really love too, about how she's, she talked about being on medication and how that served her well. And that she 
when it was, she didn't feel it was any longer needed. She stopped taking it. But then a few years later, when there was a need again, okay, there's a need again. And, and I think it's awesome that she was just like, okay, well, I'm uh, this, this is what I need right now in this moment at this time in my life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I'm caring for myself. I'm treating myself. I'm, I'm getting what I need right now to allow myself to live, you know, more of a life as a human being. (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah. In a happy, healthier, stronger way for your, mm-hmm. for your own self. So we hope that you love this episode warriors as much yeah. as we did. Um, we hope you connected with Zena's story and, uh, we thank you for being here as always. We love you so, so much. Uh, if you're looking to connect, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to shoot us an email at anxiety warriors podcast at gmail.com share with us your wins of the week. If you are interested in being a guest on the pod, let us know. We'd love to talk to you and connect and hear more about your story. Um, you know, and if you want to jump on over and be with us on Instagram, we have a lot of fun over there mm-hmm. at anxiety warriors podcast on IG join the warrior fam. And, um, we love you yeah. and we want to thank you. And we also would love it if you jumped on over to Apple, even if that's not where you listened and gave us a little review or a big review. A big mm-hmm. review. As long profitable. as it's five stars, you know. Yeah. That's and all. if you didn't like the pod, just just don't. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, don't do it. Don't hurt us. You don't know what kind of bags we're carrying. <laughs> That's right. Our backpacks are heavy, y'all. That's why we have a podcast about anxiety. <laughs> Thank you all so much for going on this journey with us. We are so grateful you all are here. Till next time.